jump into our series in Proverbs now. Uh, this is our third week in the series, and it's the last week that we're kind of doing that is foundational to the series. You know, we did the first week, we introed the book. The second week, we talked about our relationship with God through the book of Proverbs, and that was the the second foundational piece for us to understand the entire book of Proverbs, we have to first understand that it is about knowing God, nothing else. Um, and then the next thing that we need to understand is wisdom uh, as we walk into this series. Uh, and so we're going to be going over the topic of wisdom this week, and we're going to be really sitting in Proverbs 8 today. We're going to be going through the entire chapter together um, as Proverbs 8 goes through what wisdom is. Uh, and so we're going to start off in chapter 8, verses 1 to 5, and we'll read off from there. So in, in verse 1, you can read along with me on the screens. It says, does not wisdom call? Does not understanding raise her voice? On the heights beside the way, at the crossroads, she takes her stand. Beside the gates in front of the town, at the entrance of the portals, she cries out aloud. To you, O men, I call, and my cry is to the children of man. O simple ones, learn prudence. O fools, learn sense. So this first part that we're going to pause on answers the question, what is wisdom for? And it's pretty simple, actually, what wisdom is for. It is for all of our situations. You know, if we're thinking about what is wisdom going to share about us, and we kind of covered this a little bit in the intros, that wisdom is for all situations. Literally here, what this is translating is that uh, it is talking about wisdom is calling at us when we are at the shopping center. Uh, and then later in the chapter, we're going to read that wisdom not only calls at us in the small places at our life, right, when we're in Target or Trader Joe's or Key Food, wherever you go, but also wisdom was at the beginning and the foundations of the earth. Wisdom is grand enough to make sure that it was heated to create the world and the heavens, and it is also small enough to call at us in our everyday situations. So if we're wondering... What is wisdom for? It is to apply itself in everything that we do for all situations. Wisdom is also for everyone. If you have never thought of yourself as wise, or you find yourself constantly making bad decisions, do not worry, you have not been excluded from the wisdom club. It is still for you. Uh, there is no time where your rights to the membership club of wisdom gets revoked. You know, a lot of times we put people in special boxes and we say, you know, that person's wise and they make good decisions and I just happen to make bad decisions a lot and I'm going to live with that. Well, guess what? Wisdom is still for you. Oh, fools, learn sense, as it says here in verse 5. <laughs> All right. You didn't like being called a fool. That's okay. <laughs> but the thing about wisdom is that it is for everyone. It doesn't matter how old you are or how young you are. Wisdom is for you. Uh, you know, even for the teenagers that we have in the room, I want to encourage you that you can begin to make sound life decisions 
at your age right now. What I love about Scripture is it does not put an age limit on any of the experiences that you can have in Scripture. It doesn't put an, an age limit on salvation. It does not put an age limit on having the wisdom of God or having the fullness of the Spirit of God. And so even at a young age, you can begin to make wise decisions. You know, one of the wisest decisions that I made was when I was a teenager, and that decision did not come from me. It came from the Spirit of the Lord, and it was that I still, honestly, I don't know where this is. I mean, I know where it came from. It came from God, but I don't know how it made its way into my head and then into my heart to actually make the decision was when I was a freshman, I just decided I'm not going to date anybody for my entire time in high school. And I was not even, I was like half saved at that point, you know, like one foot in and one foot out. Um, but it saved me from a lot of the heartache and a lot of decision-making that my friends were making around them that they lived with for the rest of their life. A lot of times we make decisions when we're younger that we then, we open doors to things that we spend the rest of our life trying to close those doors. And so I want to encourage the teenagers, the young people in the room right now, don't feel like you are too young to start applying the word that you're going to be hearing. Don't feel like you're too young to experience the goodness of God and the wisdom that he has for you because you can begin to apply that now in your life, and you will see the fruit of that uh, when you get older, in your later days. If you feel like, again, that wisdom has been rejecting you in your past, well, guess what? Wisdom will, does not reject. It just looks for people that seek. The great thing about wisdom is it says here that wisdom is searching us out. When we go looking for wisdom, it's not like we're going on some quest where we're not sure if we're going to make it to the end. We may die before we actually get to the completion of that quest. When we go looking for wisdom, we will find it, and the outcome is not unsure because wisdom is looking for us. That's what it says here. Does not wisdom call? Does, not, does she not raise her voice? To you, O men, I call, and my cry is to the children of man. Wisdom is searching us out. When we go looking for wisdom, we need it. It is calling to us. It is crying out loud. Wisdom is not some elite club that only a few people get to be a part of. Wisdom is for all people in all situations, and it is literally searching us out. The other thing about wisdom that we begin to learn from chapter 8 in Proverbs, is that morality is wisdom's other half. So we're going to read verses 6 to 13. It says, Hear, for I will speak noble things, wisdom speaking, and from my lips will come what is right. For my mouth will utter truth. Wickedness is an abomination to my lips. All the words of my mouth are righteous. There is nothing twisted or crooked in them. They are all straight to him who understands, and the right to those who find knowledge. Take my instruction instead of silver, and knowledge rather than choice gold, for wisdom is better than jewels, and all that you may desire cannot compare with her. I, wisdom, dwell with prudence, and I find knowledge and discretion. The fear of the Lord is hatred of evil." Pride and arrogance are the way of evil, and perverted speech I hate. 
So the thing about wisdom that we have to understand is that true wisdom will always live with righteousness. Now, when we talked in our intro that sometimes uh, prosperity and wisdom will travel a long way together. A lot of times when you make good choices, you will see that kind of worldly success that people will walk with. But at some point, they make a departure from each other. Sometimes making more money and making wise choices will not travel the same path. And when, you, when that happens, what is still traveling the same path with wisdom is righteousness. They never divulge from the same path together. In fact, they go hand in hand. One is the flip side of the coin of the other. True wisdom will always lead us into righteous living. True wisdom is pure. You cannot have a wise politician who is also corrupt. See, let me say that again. You cannot have a wise politician who is also corrupt. The two do not go together. True wisdom and corruption, true wisdom and corruption, they do not go together. There is nothing crooked or twisted about wisdom. It is pure. You know, a lot of times we look at the wise business person and we put them on a pedestal. And what I have found is that a lot of times the people that we look up to, the wise business people that we look up to, have a trail of dead bodies behind them. And you, you think about the corporate ladder in America. And really, the ladder is runged with people's heads because you have to step a lot of times on other people in order to make it to the next place. And what we have said is that a lot of times we would call these people, well, they made a wise choice because they were able to navigate in this situation, and that person got fired, and they got the promotion. And it was because they were doing a lot of backdoor dealing, and they were doing a lot of sucking up, and they were doing a, a lot of talking bad about that person when they weren't around. And so when the time came between the two people, who was going to rise, this person got it. And a lot of times we would look at that with worldly eyes, and we would say, that person was wise. We would look at a business deal where a lot of people get screwed over, but one person ends up on top, and we would say, that person that ends up on top, well, that person was wise. But the truth of the matter is that is not wisdom. Because what happens when we correlate immorality with wisdom, we don't understand true wisdom because wisdom is looking just as much at the situations that we are doing in the short-term outcomes as much as it is looking at the long-term outcomes of our lives. And when we begin to make deals and we begin to rise the ladder and we begin to have contracts and all these things that go in our favor and we accumulate immorally wealth and power and fame, what happens is in the long game, we are storing up for ourselves destruction and the wrath of God, as we read in James. And so that is not wise, that even in the short term, we may have riches and wealth and good things that come to us, and we may be comfortable, but in the long term, we are destroying our soul. And so wisdom is very concerned, not only about the short term, but I would even say even more concerned about the long term. What are the decisions that you are making? Where are they leading you to? And when we look at Wise people with worldly eyes, we are looking at their short-term success 
what we are not looking at is true wisdom, which always walks the path of righteousness. Wisdom may give you wealth, but guess what? Wisdom is greater than wealth. It says in verse 18 in Proverbs, riches and honor are with me, enduring wealth and righteousness. My fruit is better than gold, even fine gold, and my yield than choice silver. So even if riches are given to you because you make wise decisions, you make morally good decisions, you make righteous decisions, and you find yourself in success, you find yourself with a lot of wealth because of that, guess what? That is not the point of wisdom. It is coupled with what? Honor and righteousness. Right? Wealth is a small facet that is part of a whole. But in fact, we read that what? Wisdom is better than riches. See, so wisdom is not equal to riches. Riches do not make someone wise or show that a person's decisions have been wise. Because wisdom is better than Riches. In verse 11, we read, For wisdom is better than jewels, and all that you may desire cannot compare with her. And so a lot, we, we get these things confused where we ask God, God, I want you to bless me, and maybe God will give you wisdom. But we say, Well, God, I was really looking for wealth. But we have to understand that when God gives us wisdom, what he is giving us is something that is better than wealth. And we will continue to allow this thought to unfold today of why is, is wisdom better than wealth? Why is it better than the riches of the world? Why is it better than choice silver and gold? Because of where wisdom leads us. What we have already understood is that wisdom... Walking in wisdom means walking in closeness with God. I, I can tell you, you know, I'm still young, but I've been fortunate enough to experience both those things, having a lot of money and having a lot of God. And I can tell you that when I weigh both of those things, having a lot of God is a billion times better than having a lot of money. There is actually no comparison. There, in, in my head, there's no thought. If I am asked, Justin, what would you rather be stripped of? Would you rather be stripped of all your possessions, all your worldly goods? Will your bank accounts all go to zero, but you still have your faith? Or you can leave your faith, and I will add $10 million to every bank account that you have, but you cannot have your faith anymore. That is actually a no-brainer for me. I would much rather have my closeness with God than I would any riches or wealth. And sometimes, unfortunately, you know, wisdom learns from others, but sometimes we don't learn from others, and we have to experience that for yourself. But I want us to learn during this process over the next few months as we dive into this book. The hope is that we can learn and say, you know what? If Scripture is saying this is true, other people that have been in these scenarios are saying this is true, then this must be true. And the reason why I'm saying this is because a lot of times we spend our prayer life worrying about our riches, our gold, and our silver, and not worrying about our closeness with God. And so what happens is our heart and our mouth 
is showing what is truly in our heart. And what we're telling God is, I only want you for your things. I don't want you for who you are. And so what God is saying to us is, what I am offering you is way better than the things that I have. And the things that you want from me, if you, if you think that the best I can give you is wealth, then you do not know who I am, and you have not experienced what I offer. I can tell you that living, another thing, living righteously is something that wisdom offers. And you know what that does? What we read last week is the, be, the, the, the ability to be able to sleep at night with a clear conscience. You can't put a price on that. Now, I'm telling you, you have met so many wealthy people that cannot sleep at night because they are consumed with losing their wealth. And then I've met people that can't sleep at night and has nothing to do with wealth. It has to do with the immoral decisions that they have made during the day. Wisdom gives us the ability to live righteously. It gives us the ability to live in obedience to God and to go to the places that he is calling. But also wisdom gives eternal blessing and reward. It says in verse 20, I walk in the way of righteousness, in the paths of justice, granting an inheritance to those who love me and filling their treasures. The inheritance of God is for those who walk with wisdom. The inheritance of God is for those who walk with wisdom. Those who walk in godliness, who turn away from evil, and who live in his righteousness, receive the inheritance of God. Who Jesus, who is the firstborn, received the inheritance as the firstborn and then shares his inheritance with all of his brothers and sisters, which is eternal living with God the Father in heaven. An imperishable reward that no one can take away from us. When we walk in wisdom, we are receiving the inheritance that God has for me. You cannot be a wise person and an immoral person. They do not go together. They can't, the, the two cannot live in the same home. They can't live in the same place. They, they can't make decisions with one another. There has been a false understanding in our head that sometimes we need to make a godly decision and sometimes we need to make a wise or a shrewd decision. Guess what? That is not the case. That is, that is something that we have to begin to say that is alive from the enemy, that is alive from culture, that we have allowed ourselves to believe that sometimes making godly decisions is making unwise decisions. And that is not true because the righteous decision will always be the wise one. Because it will be the decision that God is leading us to. And who do we fear? Fear the one that has my soul in, my, in his hand. Not the person that can kill my body. Not the person that can maybe take away my earthly riches. Not the, the, the people and the situations that 
may take away my earthly goods, but when I follow God, I'm following the one who has my soul in his hands. And so every decision that I do that is his way and his path is the, not only the righteous decision, not only is the moral decision, but it is the wise decision. And what happens is we get caught up in worldly wisdom that says your pursuit of happiness, your pursuit of riches, your rise on the corporate ladder, you know, finding your special calling so that you can make tons of money. That's everything that you are supposed to be searching for and living for. But God says, no, make the righteous choice. And the blessing that I give you, riches may come with it. That can be part of it. But you, what you will receive is better than riches. What you will receive is better than any amount of silver and gold that you can have. What you will receive is the inheritance of the Lord, which cannot compare to what any person can give you for whatever decisions that you need to make. In verse 15, it says, By me, kings rule, and rulers decree what is just. By me, princes rule, and nobles all who govern justly. When people in power use wisdom, when people in power use godly wisdom, do you know that it's not to gain advantage? It's not to grow in power and to grow in influence. When people in power use godly wisdom, it is for this, to rule justly. So if you are asking yourself, do I have a wise leader? Do I have a wise ruler? The, the question that you have to ask yourself, is this person ruling in advantage to themselves selfishly or are they ruling in a just manner? Because the wisdom of the Lord is for justice. And what? And the fear of the Lord is the hatred of evil. And when we understand these things, when they come together, that when we fear God, that we hate evil, but also it is the beginning of wisdom, then it makes sense that wisdom and morality are actually the same thing. That living a righteous life, that when somebody comes up to you and they, they say, well, you know, Justin, I need you to do this immoral thing, whether it's lie on your tax returns or to clock in hours when you're not working or to tell your boss that you're doing something when you're not. You know, I, my friend, he worked in Microsoft for a few years. Um, and in Microsoft, one of the programmers, one of their top programmers got fired. And it was one of the craziest stories I ever heard because this guy is one of their top programmers uh, and what they found out was this guy was working from home, and what he did because he was making a ginormous salary, he had hired somebody. He had hired somebody overseas to do all of his projects for work. And what that person would do overseas is they would send him all the files, and then he would essentially upload those files to the server like it was his work. Now, in worldly wisdom, that guy was killing it. Like, you know, he was on vacation, he was chilling at home, he had a job making great, well into the six-figure salary, and did not have to do a thing, right? And we would look at worldly wisdom and say, well, the job is getting done, right? 
Nothing, nobody, no harm, no foul. Nothing happening bad there. But that is not godly wisdom. So what happened, how they found out was the guy got a little lazy and he allowed the person that he hired overseas to just begin directly uploading it to the server. And what happened was the security team at Microsoft obviously is very good and they realized, why is there a port opening every time to Asia whenever we receive this guy's files? And so they started digging into it a little bit more. And when they figured out what was going on, what happened? He got fired. Right? A, what we thought, maybe that guy was at a barbecue and he's, you know, drinking his beer and flipping a burger. And he's telling his friends, like, you guys won't believe what I'm getting away with right now. I hired this guy to do my work. I don't have to do anything. You know, I'm, I'm just chilling during the day. I take my car out. I'm at the beach. I'm going on vacations. Nobody's the wiser. Everybody's around that table singing, oh, man, this guy's killing it. I wish I was him. I wish I thought of that. I wish I was able to do that at my job. I have to actually go to work and work. Like, who would have thought about doing something like that? My goodness, right? And that, that is worldly wisdom at play, thinking, wow, that guy is, I, I want to be that guy. And I, I'll be honest, I thought like, man, would I do that? You know, if I could, when I heard that story, I was like, that was a crazy story. But then what happens? He gets found out and he gets fired. But was he wrong because he got fired? No, he wasn't. And that's the difference between godly wisdom. Whether somebody finds out you do something or not doesn't make your choice wise or not. That is looking at the wrong barometer for what wisdom is. It is what is righteous before the eyes of God who sees and knows all in our hearts and our secrets. That is what makes a wise decision. That Even if my secrets never come to fruition, that nobody ever finds out about who I am and what I do, even if the darkest things never come out and I stay. I was talking to my family yesterday because my dad just did that 23 and me thing. And... You know, we were just talking about this crazy phenomenon. You know, my dad found out he had a first cousin that he never knew about. Uh, and first cousin is, is pretty close, you know. Like, that means somebody was doing something naughty that nobody knew about. And one of my friends had recently told me that they found out that they had a half-brother, that their uh, father had a secret family on the side that they found out through, I forget if it was one of the other ones. And you'd think, right, even if, if nobody finds out, Right, we can live these secret lives. Right, this person that gave my dad his first cousin is long gone. Right, this this will never affect this person's life. And even if that is us, we have to ask ourselves: even in the secret things that I do, do I consider the wisdom of God? Do I consider His righteousness, His eye? Because. Even the secret places, those are the places God looks at. In the heart of men and women, that is where God is looking to see what is the true desires of our heart. And wisdom will go to the secret places. And it will begin to change our decision making at the very root of who we are and the decisions that we make. And wisdom here in chapter 8 culminates to this understanding in verse 22. To 31, it says this, the Lord possessed me, or wisdom, at the beginning of his work, the first of his acts of old, talking about creation. Ages ago, I was set up at the first, before the beginning of the earth. 
When there were no depths, I was brought forth. When there were no springs abounding with water. Before the mountains had been shaped. Before the hills, I was brought forth. Before he had made the earth with its fields or the first of the dust of the world. When he established the heavens, I was there. When he drew a circle on the face of the deep. When he made firm the skies above, when he established the foundations of the deep, when he assigned to the sea its limits so that the waters might not transgress his command, when he marked out the foundations of the earth, then I was beside him like a master workman. And I was daily his delight, rejoicing before him always, rejoicing in his inhabited world and delighting in the children of man. What we see here and what I love is that we see a shadow of Christ. So that when we understand that finding true wisdom is really like finding Christ. In Colossians 1.15, I want to read this with you because you're going to see a lot of parallels to what we just read. It says that, talking about Christ, he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible. Whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things and in him All things hold together. This is why wisdom is just. It is why wisdom is righteous. It is why it is a hater of evil. It is why it holds together creation in its grandness, yet cares about how we treat people when we go shopping in its minutiae. Because when we find wisdom, we are finding Christ. And when we find Christ, we are finding wisdom. Now what happens is true wisdom, true righteousness, when we find it, begins to shape and change our heart. So that the things that we thought once were wise become foolish. And the things that we thought were foolish may become wise. Like being honest with somebody in a loving way without gossiping about them. That many times in our life may sound foolish, may even sound foolish to us now if we hate conflict. But the wise choice, the righteous choice, the moral choice is to go talk to the person who offends you. We talked about that in membership class today. Because that is what grows love between people. When we find wisdom in everything that we're talking about, from the very small things in our life to the very grand things of creation, we are finding Christ in all his beauty. We are finding his justice. We are finding his righteousness. We are finding his holiness. And as we find those things, they are transforming our heart to change our decision making. That there are things that we don't do anymore because those are not wise for us to participate in. There are people we no longer hang out with anymore because it's not wise for us to be around that person. There are places that we don't go anymore, which we used to think this is the best. This is how I relax. This is how I unwind. This is how I be who I need to be, where we don't do that anymore because we find that it is the unwise thing for our life. Whereas before it would have been foolish in our life 
to do these things. Now we are finding it is the wisest thing that we can do. Christ shapes our eternity. He shapes where we will be forever. But he also changes our daily life. And this is what wisdom will do to us when we find it. Chapter 8 concludes with this. It says, And now, O sons, listen to me. Blessed are those who keep my ways, hear instruction, and be wise, and do not neglect it. Blessed is the one who listens to me, watching daily at my gates, waiting beside the doors. Forever finds me, finds life, and obtains favor from the Lord. But he who fails to find me injures himself. All who hate me love death. I see this. I just read blessed, blessed, blessed. The one who finds Christ, the one who finds wisdom, that person is blessed. Blessed are the obedient. Blessed are the ones who listen, who watch, and who wait on the Lord. Your reward is life itself. And life in abundance. I don't care how mundane your work is. How bad you perceive your life to be. How boring your routine is. When you find wisdom, you find life. You find Christ. You find the blessing of righteousness where the mundane things like work, you begin to find beauty in it. You begin to sense and practice the presence of God and even the simple things like washing dishes, vacuuming the house, going to work, you begin to see the beauty of work and how God created us and even in the routines you experience his presence and his power and blessed, blessed, blessed you become in your going in and in your going out because when you find wisdom, you find life and you find the blessing of good decision making. In 1 Corinthians 1.24, it says, Christ, the power of God, and the wisdom of God. What I want to encourage the church to do today is give yourself over to Christ. You will find his power to resurrect the dead things in your heart. And his wisdom to live. What we need to understand is that when we reject the wisdom of God, we are rejecting Christ. And what we are doing is we are walking down the path of death. We are injuring ourselves, as it says in Proverbs. But today we have an invitation to know wisdom and to know Christ. Allow Christ, just as he shaped the heavens and the earth, he can shape our eternity. And we have, some of us have been on the sidelines of whether we are going to follow Christ or not. We have been on the sidelines of whether we will allow the righteousness of God, the wisdom of God to shape our daily decisions. We have been convicted during the week of, really, should I do that? But we have said, no, I'm going to continue in the ways of my life. But I pray that today we allow the conviction of God to shape our eternity with Christ. Make a decision to follow Christ. And when you do, you will find wisdom calling to you. You will find wisdom shouting aloud to you in the place that you go shopping, in the home that you're walking to. You will find Christ 
in everything that you do, from the small things of how you get to work to the big things of where you spend eternity. Can you stand with me and pray, church? Father, I pray that we will be able to make the decision for the ones of us that have been on the edge, have been thinking, do I really want to follow Jesus? They've been counting the cost of their salvation. Lord, I pray that you will show them the life and the abundance of it that will follow their decision. For those of us that have, Lord, been having trouble with our morality, which are righteousness, I pray that you would lead us to Jesus today. Lord, that even that as we sang before in our weakness, God, that you would be made strong. That who you are and what you do for us would not be a one-time event in our life, but it would be a daily going to the cross to die to ourself, to experience the life-giving power that is on hand and ready every single morning. Teach us, Lord, to find you daily. That we would walk in your wisdom and that we would walk in life in all that we do. In Jesus' name we pray. While we begin to worship, we're going to have some leaders that will be up here. And if you want prayer for anything, if you say, you know what, I want to make a decision today to follow Jesus, any of us will be up here and we will pray with you as you make that decision. If there is anything going on in your life and you just want some ministry, someone to pray with you, feel free to come down at any moment and we will pray with you. At any point during worship, you can come down and one of the leaders will pray with you. But at this time, I'm going to give it over to our worship team to lead us.